Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Du lytter til Rydder Jargon podcast. I denne episode har jeg haft Sepp van Marke med. Øhm, og vi har øh, snakket ret meget om, øh, om Omlop, et newsblad, hvor han øh, kørte en flot tredjeplads hjem. Øhm, vi optog to dage efter, så det, så det hele det sad stadig frisk i, i erindringen. Og, og vi gennemgik løbet sådan fra, ja, fra start til slut. Øhm, hvad der sker i bussen, hvad øh, han gør sig af ritualer inden, øh, inden en klassiker. Øhm, hvordan han, han, han ligesom forbereder mentalt, øh, hvad han laver, hvad han tænker under løbet. Øh, og to ligesom punkt for punkt øh, hen igennem løbet. Så det kan hjælpe en lidt, hvis man lige øh, finder en ruteprofil frem fra øh, Head News Blood løbet. Øh, og så kan man øh, måske lidt nemmere følge med øh, i, øh, hvor vi er hen på ruten, alt efter hvor vi snakker. Øh, så øh, så det, det synes jeg, det var ret interessant at, at få hans... Øh, Ligesom for, for det, det mentale spil, han kører ind i hovedet med sig øh, under en, en klassiker, hvor han kører for at vinde. Øhm, derudover så er vi øh, inde på, øh, på, hvad han øh, godt kan lide ved kaffestop selvfølgelig. Øhm, han har også en, en lille historie med, med, øh, med hans øh, tidligere nemesis i, øh, i feltet. Øhm, og så øh, har han også en sjov historie fra... Øh, for hvad han egentlig lavede under Kone Brussel Kone, hvor, hvor vi andre lå og kørte cykeløb, men han, han trak sig ud ret tidligt. Så øh, lyt med, og øh, ja, smæk benene op, og hyg dig. Okay, we are back with a new episode, this time in, in English, and my guest today is Sepp van Marke. Welcome, Sepp. Thank you. I'm happy to have you here. Um, We just did two races the opening weekend. Um, we did Omloop very well. We'll get back to that. And we did Kone, Brussels Kone, not so good. Um, both of us, we were we were not back up to to standards that day. Um, I had a bad day. You had a bad day. But uh, is there anything you can highlight from from Kone just quickly? Uh, yeah. First, first of all, uh, let's not forget Jente. Biermans, our teammate, was fifth, so he uh, he saved us. Uh, he saved the day yeah. from having trouble with the team. No, yeah. um, no, but he saved us. Uh, he saved the day for sure. Um, next to that, yeah, I was having a really bad day after the crash of uh, Saturday, so I was fighting myself the whole time. Never got in position. Never got with the team. So uh, eventually, I uh, I quit the race, um, and of course, I live close to these roads. Um, so on, I think before the other quarter I stopped. Uh, I pulled out. I went. Uh, I rode straight to my home because actually that w- that was the shortest way to get to Kuren also back. Um, my wife was somewhere on the parkour watching, so uh, she didn't know where I was. But I went home. Um, I got in, got dressed a little bit warmer to get back to Kuren. And uh, while I was doing that, I quickly turned on the TV. And there I suddenly was uh, watching uh, watching the Kuren Brussel Kuren at my house. With still the race, uh, race radio in and with still the gels, gels in my pocket. Could you still hear from the car in the radio? Yeah, at some point bit, I could yeah. still, uh, still hear uh, the DS uh, talking to you guys <laughs> what you had to do. And I was uh, sitting <laughs> sitting on my ta- uh, at my table. And... Um, i saw some white bread from my wife and the kids uh, from probably in the morning they ate. And then, uh, yeah, of course, I, I cracked mentally a little bit because I was bad that day and uh, I was disappointed I couldn't be there with the teammates. And and then I saw a big pot of uh, Nutella. So I <laughs> I thought like a hey, white bread, Nutella, I have to do it. So I committed. It is and one of I've, the best snacks in the world, I find. It, it is, it is. <laughs> and so I was kind of like, yeah, I was disappointed, but at a certain point I was 45k from the race and I was eating Nutella 
watching you guys racing. So it was quite a good moment, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when I was fulfilled, I, uh, I got back to Kuhn and I pretended I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I was actually surprised when I came to the bus that you was you didn't even shower yet because you pulled out quite early. Yeah, so but... So I was like, why is he still in his uh, his kit now? It's, uh, I it's, enjoyed it's the Nutella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ate it really slow. <laughs> okay, so so that was enough of... Uh, that's enough from uh, from Kuhn. Um Let's do Omloop. That was a fun day for the both of us. We were doing a, a good job there, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's do sure. a like kind of a walkthrough over the the day um, in the bus. Like, I have a question for for most of the guests here that will come. Is first of all, do you have any funny rituals you do before the race? Or I don't really. I always uh, try try not to. You're a boring uh, Belgian guy. I'm that boring Belgian <laughs> guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe in the salt is falling down. I don't believe in the cats that are uh, the black cats that are run over the street. And uh, I try not to. Also, when I was, uh, yeah, really young, my first years, I always made like the I don't know the, the cross, the cross sign that, over your body. Yeah, yeah. And actually, after a while, I, I was thinking like, why am I doing this? Because you're religious. Mm, yeah, not really. Officially, <laughs> I am, but actually, I'm not. Yeah. So then I stopped it, and the first races it went well. So since then I, I'm yeah, not yeah. doing it anymore for years. So um, no, I'm I'm a boring Belgian. So yeah, what do you do in the bus then? You just have a, we have the meeting. We uh, you eat some snacks or you just uh, um, I don't normally I don't eat snacks before the race. Maybe maybe a banana, but uh, normally I don't anymore from breakfast to uh, till the race. Um, uh, what do we do? Uh, we get the meeting, uh, then you start the music. Yeah, uh, I'm, the, I'm the DJ here. <laughs> You're always the DJ, yeah, so yeah. That, that's good. Um, yeah, I have to go to, uh, especially before classics, to the toilet uh, a few times because probably more uh, stress than uh, necessary. One rider who was funny with this, uh, with toilet breaks, was Baptiste Plancard. He was always, um, I think it was 10, 12 minutes before the start, he had to go to the toilet again. Even if he didn't have to do a shit he just had to go there and sit on the toilet and that's when the rest of us we have the helmets on and we are going to the start line but he was always waiting yeah, there and then he show up on the start line in like like last minute that's probably belgian yeah that's yeah. that's something similar that i do also i know for for the big classics i go four times uh, to the toilet before the race <laughs> and uh <laughs> i was really nervous before umlo i was out for a piss like six times or something on the bus <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I was in the race also because it was it was cold, and then uh, you always have to go a lot. But um, I wasn't. It's not that uh, that I'm nervous. I'm not really nervous anymore for these races. But like, I don't know. So it still does something with you, and probably it's also uh, it also became a ritual. Uh, before every race, I think I go three times: one time in the morning, one time after breakfast, and then one time before the race, and then I add one uh, in the classics. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's normal for for the most of us. Um so yeah, we start the race um and the first part is like I think in general we had a quite a stress-free race for a long time. Yeah, yeah. We sat in the back. Also also the break went after 8 or 9k which is normally in classics can can take 1 hour even 2 hours. Yeah, yeah. And now it was immediately done. Yeah. So uh in that time, what is your focus until the first key point? Um, yeah, focus. Then, then you're a little, yeah, basically a bit uh, in your own mind, thinking about yeah. First of all, uh, the food, staying warm. I was pretty cold in the, in the first two hours, um, and then you pay a little bit of attention on other riders, how they look, how they how they ride uh, you don't know anything but you try to find something if you're better or not than them it's uh at that point it's, it's still too early but everybody does you talk a little bit to other to other riders to uh friends or competitors uh but la basically it's very casual stuff uh, you're not gonna go too deep in, into some things because you don't want to you're still focused on the race and uh so Basically, basically, you always say the same things. Yeah, I feel good, and yeah, it's all good, and uh, yeah, material yeah. is good, and I'm ready, and yeah. everybody's ready. Everybody's gonna win every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So first part, and that that's actually until the feed zone in in Umlop. Then yeah. after this, just after the feed zone is the the first key point 
I think, which is the Kattenberg, yeah. and where we go to Hollerweg, and then we do Hachuk, Leberg, and Paderstraat. Um, but we came into to Kattenberg quite far back still. I remember. Um, yeah, I um, I took my musette and I took my time. Yeah, that's um, the thing. Like uh, in this race, you you can do it. I never know why uh, organizers put uh, put a feed zone just in front of uh, an important hill or an important section, because now it was like uh, three four k to go, and that's you, you just create chaos because riders get nervous and we still need the feedback. So that's why. Um, um, yeah, five or ten k before, I asked uh, Norman to if he could um, basically get the, get the feedback from the car, and then uh, this way you avoid um, avoid the, the stress for the feed zone to get your food, um, and we could focus on um, on just getting in front. And uh, Norman, uh, yeah, brought me really strong to the to the front. Uh, yeah, when I said go, he went uh, he went full gas and. I think he uh, he he made it into the corner first. Um, yeah, so um, we were there, but um, let's say you could still be a little bit in the back. Also, it I wouldn't say it doesn't matter. It's good to have the the first fight done, so you're in the rhythm. Um, but if you're in the back still, there nothing happens because then after this you come back on a big road uh, towards the the Haarhoek and the Leeberg, and there it's already a bit more important than. Actually, it starts all over again. Yeah. yeah. So, um, why do you want to be in front? In the end, you don't know why. But the thing is, if there's always crashes somewhere halfway to the peloton, yeah. then you better be in front than uh, be in the back. It is a risk to sit sit behind. Yeah. Um, so after the layback, we go to the Padestrad, and there we were like with the the team fighting for position. Yeah. And then uh, shit happened. Then shit happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got came stuck. from something like a probably would be a four or five lane road into one lane yeah. uh, and uh you took a tumble yeah 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 i um yeah for, of course uh you have to fight for for your position and uh at these moments i never want to lose uh lose one position so um i didn't want to break too early and uh, i found a gap a little bit on the left and i went in there i started breaking and suddenly uh so there was a right hand turn and uh, suddenly a guy from the left was already in front of me making his corner so uh, while i was still going straight so um <laughs> yeah I, I hit the the back wheel of that guy and um it was confusing i didn't know exactly that this is what what happened uh, in my opinion that i uh that I hit his his uh, back wheel, but then uh, there was another rider who texted me like, oh, "I'm sorry uh, to cause this crash," and uh, but another guy hit me, and then I hit you. So it's part of racing. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm got, I got confused if it now was my fault or not because uh, anyway, like you say, it's part of racing, and um, yeah, unfortunately, it's it's in my classic campaigns it's always part of uh, my race also yeah i, I remember the whole, i like i saw you crash out of the co- like the corner of my eye and i was like fuck yeah. what is uh, what are we going to do now cuz then i went on the radio immediately like sep went down what is happening uh, is he okay should we all wait or what are we going to do but there was no answer uh, i kept asking for information and then i thought my radio didn't work and i was like confused what to do um and then finally it came that norman should wait and go back for you yeah um but what is going through your mind when you crash and do you think it's all over or and uh, no unfortunately i have a lot of experience in that <laughs> in <laughs> classics and crashing so um i just know like okay i was like especially my elbow was in pain but you know that goes over so the most important was uh then my bike was good. I had a little bit of problems to get the chain back on. It was stuck. And uh, then the mechanic arrived. So uh, that was fixed. Um, yeah, and then you start chasing. You know with the Palestrat, it, it will go fast in the race, in the, in the peloton. And a lot of team cars passed me. So I knew I was going to be in difficulty to pass the team cars again on the, on the cobbles. Because one, they don't expect me. And two, there's no space. Um... And then I heard uh, the sports director saying, like, okay, uh, guys, you have to wait. Go to the back. I don't know if you heard me. Um, 
But no, I, don't, I, said, no, I no. said a few times, no, just stay in the peloton because I know this uh, from the past. And um, the thing is, like, if you all wait for me on the cobbles and I come with speed from behind the cars, then basically everybody's nothing, fighting to know. get back. Yeah, it's, it's for nothing. And then it's better to wait after the section. And this uh, Norman did, did perfect. Uh, I mean, he was there at the end of the section. And then he guided me back to the peloton. Um, so, I mean, it cost some energy in the, in the end. But actually, before, I was feeling okay. And, yeah, of course, I didn't want to crash. But because the 10 minutes I had to go full to come back, it really opened uh, opened the body. And, and from then on, I was ready to go. Also, I had adrenaline from the crash. And you I was came frustrated. on the side of me after when you came back and you were like, okay, now I need some recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, that was kind of lucky it happened there because the next part until Wolvenberg, which is the maybe the most important key point, yeah. nothing really happened on the course. It was There was time to, like it was on bigger roads and it was time to, to get something to eat again. And like you, you didn't have to stress until the last 5K until the yeah, corner yeah, down to true. Wolvenberg. Yeah, like last year... Um, there the race got decisive actually but uh yeah it was a small risk i had to take because i uh, i thought like okay if i, if I want to do a good uh, good final and not want to be all the time on my limit i really have to take it easy for a second stay in the back recover and then i can yeah go back for the final um if I, we would have moved up immediately it would have been kept being on the limit yeah and uh that could have been like um yeah really bad for uh for my final yeah so uh then we go to the yeah the key point of the day Wolvenbeck. it's a small or short steep steep climb and we hit a bunch of couples afterwards uh and we got into a very nice position there um yeah you did a, you did a perfect job there it was a, a big job and um but let's say let's say calculated perfectly and uh it was perfect. Um, the positions we got into the corner, uh, I think we were we were six we just, and seven yeah, maybe, yeah. or that was just couldn't be better, even closer. Um, and then so we were, let's say, in control uh, for for the final to start. That was about fifty k to go, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, quick step, uh, start pulling pretty fast, but we were always there. Then you uh, you went uh, in a few moves after that, like before. Before Molenberg. Um during this whole like then we do the Hulleweg afterwards, the I can't say it right. Jägerei. 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 And Jägerei, that's like uh, to, alcohol. <laughs> ah Jägermeister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh and from there we go to Molenberg. What are you kinda what do you have in your head during this whole part of the race where it's the decisive move can go, but you want to wait until Molenbeek or yeah yeah for me um like uh, you went in a couple of moves i uh, i jumped also once but that's just like more to stay on top of the game to stay in control so we uh, can stay up there if you wait too much and, uh, and never follow the attacks you in the end you also lose uh 20 30 positions and it's just on these streets it's very hard to get back in front once you're there you want to stay there and so yeah f- f- what do i think it's it's pure focus and you want to time it right the yeah. thing is if you the easiest would be go on the front but then you lose all the energy and and you won't make it until the corner of the the molenberg so um basically we were um on the right like i think third row second third row and yeah. that was perfect because we were still for a long time covered uh until the like the final lead out you did uh, until the the molenberg well, we were covered, but in position, and then uh, and then yeah, on the right moment we can move. Uh, you went to the front, and um, it's just yeah, pure focus until that corner, uh, because you want to be, uh, if possible, top ten, uh, because then you know you can follow the moves if you if uh, yeah if you have the legs uh, for it. Yeah, so we hit the Molenberg, and you get in a. In the right group with the the big names, and you went away. So uh, maybe tell a bit about that. Um, Alaphilippe was there, and uh, you told me he was uh, he was killing it. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So first on on the climb, um, 
I could I could move up some spots and uh, I was Van Avra, in Van Avra Mats wheel um, and then I looked further up and we were like I don't know uh, sixth or seventh uh, on that moment so I knew uh, I was I was with them and then from then on it was immediately they went full gas I saw there was a gap behind us and okay we started rotating rotating all big names uh, Trentin was also there um, then three guys from Quickstep and Van Avermaat and uh, some more guys and um, but every time Philippe went to the front we went like three four five kilometers per hour faster and I started sprinting I was like on purpose I was like three four five guys behind him so I wouldn't uh, have to cover his uh, when he accelerated um, but I was just sprinting and every time he pulled off and it was to the other I could recover again and do the normal turns one of those times like when you're also in a in a in a breakaway with one really strong guy where you actually recover on the front yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah but like yeah yeah that's the thing and that was with Philippe the same and I thought like Oof, it won't be possible to beat him and um actually on the Beendries I already had the feeling he was gonna go uh, even though our gap was getting quite big with with 30 yeah, you seconds had 30 already. seconds there and um we we couldn't see you when, yeah, we, when we hit the climb we couldn't see you so i thought like okay now they're gone yeah i thought also like before that if we just continue uh rotating race is gonna be over for the others and uh we're gonna fight against each other to uh for the victory and for the podium and um but then alaphilippe went already and that was maybe not the smartest move because uh i mean he was super strong and he was really confident But suddenly he was alone. His teammates didn't work anymore. That was, in theory, a good situation for them. But that also created that we didn't rotate maximum anymore. And behind us, the peloton uh, came closer. Uh, in the end, Philippe, yeah, got a little bit tired, luckily. And um, yeah, and, was and, it and was then, a good headwind too. So yeah, like, I was. The headwind killed him, I guess. Yeah, and also brought the the peloton a bit back because yeah. we were always in in, in vision. Because we were flying in the peloton, and I was like, okay, for sure, everything's gonna come back together now. Yeah, I was surprised um, to see uh, one one or two kilometers before the mur that suddenly the peloton was coming, and so I thought like, okay, and now I also recover, so uh, I need to get over the mur with the first guys, and then we see what is left, and. Um, Yeah, I could do that. I stayed on the front. I think I uh, I was on the mur of fourth, third or fourth. Uh, but then afterwards, I looked back and I saw a whole peloton uh, behind us, like a whole peloton, like 40 guys. And then I knew, okay, it's going to be a bunch pin because um, I looked at the map before the race and from after the mur until the finish, it was all pure headwind. Yeah. Um, so then it's really hard to get away, especially when you only have the Bosberg anymore. Even on the mur, it didn't split. Um so um yeah and then I was looking around uh, and I saw Tom van Asbroek and I thought like okay I've been in this break um Tom yeah normally he's always stronger or faster than me in the finish so uh, I said to him like um yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna work for you now because then we have a better chance to get a result because I'm yeah and and in, in the past I never thought about it and I just did that sprint And now I'm not really uh, convinced that I can do good results in a sprint anymore. So I always, uh, if, if for example, Tom is faster, I'm, I'm happy to work for him. Um, and I start uh, guiding him, uh, keep him in, out of the wind. Uh, the last two, three kilometers, I brought him in position. And suddenly there was a crash just next to us because we were coming on the outside and next to us. And I look back, I lost Tom. So I thought he crashed. And then I thought, like, oh fuck! Now I've been in the wind the whole the whole time in the final. So I'll just try to move up and get try to get a ninth or a tenth place for the team. So at least we have something. Yeah. And then then it was funny, like the from 800 meters to 400 meters to go. Those were uh, one of the last corners. I just moved up, and I saw nobody was fighting. So I moved up more and more. Until I was in the wheel of Ballerini and still nobody was fighting. So and then you ah you were fighting a little bit with uh, your back a little bit yeah that was <laughs> that just was in the a, corner that was a boss move. And <laughs> I that's still why, haven't that's seen that back though, but uh, <laughs> that's where you got your third place. Yeah, it's true because I knew like uh, 400 meters to go in that corner, 
I was in the wheel of Ballerini and I thought like, okay, now there's no no time anymore um, for somebody to pass us um, before the real sprint because Ballerini had a Sinichal as a lead out. Yeah. Um, and then after the last corner, they didn't still didn't come. So Ballerini went, of course, I couldn't follow his move, but I still had enough slipstream to... Um, to make it to the finish and become third. I yeah. mean, uh, the, the FDJ guy, I don't know his name. Jake Stewart. Yeah, he was he was really fast. And I felt the others also coming, but uh, they were just too late. So I didn't do a great sprint, but I did uh, really good positioning. And that uh, brought me uh, brought us the third, third spot. And uh, that was a really nice opening weekend for us. It's a nice way to start. And with the end, he topped up with a fifth place in Kuna when... Most of the race went. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah. Went bad for us, but yeah, uh, yeah, but true. he was strong in the end and, and saved the day for us. So... Yeah, I'm happy with the opening weekend we had. Yeah, I think we we can look back on a on a on a really good weekend. Uh, yeah. First of all, Omloop that's the the first classic, the first one day classic, a world tour race, and uh, immediately we we continued what we showed in Bessege and what we showed in Notvar, um, that we with the team can and will be up there, and uh, with the podium that was a really great start. Uh, like you said, Ayenta topped it up. Um, with a, again a good result and um i mean we can be really confident yeah so enough with the, the opening weekend talk let's uh get around to some other stuff um as you know my podcast is named uh Ruder Chagong, and it's more or less the same in in, in flemish actually yeah we, we 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 say they pronounce it a bit um different but of course a uh, rider or uh, we say wheeler uh, yeah. So that's uh, yeah, yeah, kind of the same. And I asked my guests to bring some Xiagong to the podcast. And uh, you have something for me? Yeah, I came up with uh, the Muren. And the Muren. The Muren. That's uh, not yeah, a term in cycling. You need to, uh, to explain that. Yeah. So um, that doesn't mean anything in the race. That doesn't mean anything for any tourist or whatever. It's actually a town. It's a town or in a Belgium, a village close to the close to the sea, close to the beach. But to every pro cyclist, you say the Muren, and everybody starts shaking. And, and he needs an extra toilet break on the bus. <laughs> what? He needs an extra toilet <laughs> yeah. break on the bus. Uh, the thing is, like especially in Gentwevogem, uh, we always ride after I think about 100 kilometer through the Muren, and that's a city and, and basically a small area. It's a uh, it's a street that is I think five k long, ten k long, but just totally straight, and always there's crosswinds, a lot of crosswinds, and everybody's afraid for it because you know one hundred percent sure it's going to be echelons, it's going to split, it's going to be hell. Um, so to every pro cyclist that ever been in Belgium, if you say the Muren, they just start freaking out. Yeah, so. it's one of those uh, places where, yeah, most of the like epic echelons pictures they are from from the Muden. Yeah, uh, yeah so you can look it up on on google just type in the uh, Muden and and you'll see so right as yeah some uh yeah i've added the Muden. so um going on what is the craziest day you ever had on a bike it can be training or race uh well i have to say um 
because we mentioned the Moeren, I, I have to stay with Gantuevogam. That was Gantuevogam 2015. And the one where people maybe remember the most, what would I say? Uh, Geraint Thomas that, that was in the ditch. Yeah. Uh, Gert Steegman that was in the ditch. I, I think uh, Gert Steegmans got in the ditch basically in the Moeren. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that, that, was, that was incredible. I never had a race or a day like that on the bike. Almost nobody finished the race, wasn't it? Um, I don't remember how many. Uh, but not many, for sure. And then I think the, maybe the 10th place was at 10 minutes or something. And how was the day for you? Um, I finished sixth out of six guys on the breakaway group because um, I was, I was, yeah, like everybody getting really afraid. But I knew, like, yeah, from being a Belgian, training a lot in the wind, um, a lot of guys, when there was, like, um, wind gusts, um they started braking or stopping pedaling. And I just knew, like, you have to keep pedaling. If, you it's, if there's more thrust, you have to push harder. Yeah, yeah. And so I I ended up in the front in the first kind of echelon, but it was so hard that it was not a real echelon. But that was just everybody riding for himself. And basically the whole race, I was I was afraid for crashing because one day later is, uh, one week later is uh, Tour of Flanders. And that was my main goal. And I said, like, okay, I just want to have a good, basically training and and stay on the stay on the bike um and the whole day i rode top 10 and echelon or no echelon headwind or tailwind i just stayed top 10 top 5 on the front in the end i got in the in the in let's say the final break of six guys but yeah the first so many hours i i killed myself uh, yeah. so i was i was basically useless after a while and I was so empty, I, I just dropped on a straight road, uh, 15k to go. And uh, that was the year that Paulini won. And um, that guy said, um, 50k to go, like, I can't, I'll be sixth, I'll be last, uh, don't look at me. So the whole the whole ride towards the finish, he was not pulling, said to anyone, uh, everyone, don't mind me. In the end, he just dropped us all uh, 5k <laughs> to go and then he did the sign to his head that's a like uh, i'm a smart move. guy that that's was that was that was move. bullshit what yeah. he did. but uh, anyway now he's out um so i was so empty and then after basically after the race i started crying just because i was i was i've never been so so fucked on a bike it's so cold like and you're empty and everything hurts and yeah the, the tank was just so finally empty. when you're you're finished it's just a relief yeah 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 and and i remember um only on Friday afternoon, so that like five and a half days later, I start to feel okay again to do Tour of Flanders. <laughs> like the whole week, the trainings, I had to quit early. I think uh, in the the team training for the Tour of Flanders, I just stepped after three hours. I stepped into the car because I felt so so tired from that day. Um, so yeah, that that was the most horrible day uh, on how, the bike physically uh, in my life. How did it go in Flanders then? Uh, not not great. Um, let's say because because Gentwevogem, um, I was sixth. The like the Belgian press was pretty hard on me, and uh, they said I, I rode stupid because I was all the time on the front. So I thought like, okay, I'll, I'll if they they say I'm stupid, I won't show myself. So I was hiding in Tour of Flanders a lot, a lot, a lot, and at Tijenberg, so that's about what a 30, 35 k to go. I uh, I was in the yeah in the group of like forty guys and I hide it still in the back. I thought like okay then I save myself until like uh, Odequaramon and then uh, I'll I'll show something. And but I was hiding 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 and suddenly the the group split and I thought like ah, in the end it will all be fine so I'll just wait. And suddenly the yeah the group got uh, or the the gap got bigger and bigger. And when we arrived at the bottom of the um, Kreuzberg. It was 40 seconds. So yeah. that was like, damn, it's going to be game over. Yeah. So I went full on the Kreuzberg. You know, you do the Kreuzberg, then you go Hotond. further up, Hotond. And the Hotond, I came to like at least, yeah, maximum five meters to that group. And then you and I couldn't close it. I couldn't close it and I exploded it. So I think I don't have the the power data from from those, I don't know, three, four, five minutes. I'm I'm sure it was one of my best uh, minutes there, um, but I didn't have a power meter on. But I totally exploded, and I was so ashamed that then I had to let the group go. 
And I was strong enough, but I was just so stupid because I was in my head. I said, no, don't do anything. Don't do anything. But it learned me a big lesson there. Yeah. So getting into um, a bit of training, what is your favorite training loop? It's in Belgium or it's is it somewhere you go to training camps? Um, oh, yeah. In the end, I'm always happy to uh, to be back home again also. Uh, after so many years, I sometimes say like, oh, I'm a bit sick of it. Always to train the same uh, rides. And now the last years, I do so many training camps that now when I go back home, I love it to train uh, train at home again. So my favorite, I don't have a real favorite, but I have to say the one I did the most um, since I was 15 years old. My dad made a loop and we call it, um, um, wait, wait, I have to think. Uh, what was the name? I forgot. Um Ramperit, Ramperit, that's like disaster ride. <laughs> but it's it's in the end, it's nothing. But it, when I was 15, I was 80 or 85k, 10 hills means nothing. Over oh, the now. cobbled it's, hills, it's like, uh, hills, or actually no, no, no cobbled hills at that time. Um, but that's like 10 hills, and if you divide the the 80k, it's probably equally each 8k there's a climb. Yeah. So then I did it as a proper training. Like when I was a junior, I added first 40K and then I did this uh, this training and on every hill I sprinted. And and now I sometimes still do it. Um, basically, it's 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 nothing because it's 800 altitude meters. That's, mean, doesn't mean anything, yeah. but, um, but it's still nice to just, okay, I do a bigger loop and then I finish it off with this one and I just, these 10 times I go full. And it has some famous climbs like like uh, Berendries, like uh, La Hoop, like Canariberg, yeah. Kreuzberg, and these things. Um, so you can really suffer on these. Yeah. But yeah, since I was a child, I do this uh, this lap, and I still do it sometimes. Yeah. In training, are you a coffee stop guy? I know you had some years where you denied yourself the coffee stop. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I was uh, one of those annoying guys in the group that uh, didn't want to stop. I didn't mind that my teammates stopped, but I always thought like, okay, if I stop for a coffee, then I split my training and it's not good. So I was like, and they if, stopped for coffee and I went up and down the whole time for half an hour until they got back. Oh, really, really annoying time. Yeah, that was <laughs> annoying. And then uh, actually when I met my wife, before I, I didn't drink coffee at all. Um, so when I met my wife, I started drinking coffee because she liked it and I wanted to look good on her and <laughs> um, so in the beginning I hated it and I, I asked more milk than coffee but I got into it and now I like coffee and I, I love coffee stops now now uh, with, a, with a team or with a small group with two guys or uh, I, I don't do it alone but um, when we were there with a few then I love to do a coffee stop yeah yeah so what is your uh, menu your go-to menu on the, on the coffee stops Maybe, uh, a menu uh, for, um, maybe do your Belgian uh, menu. What is my Belgian menu? Um, basically, at home in Belgium, I I, I never stop <laughs> <laughs> because I always train alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, true. So um, yeah, or or if I if I train with a with a small group, we just stop for um, for a coffee. Actually, uh, maybe if there's a cookie, a cookie, but. Um, Let's say in Spain, uh, we always take a, like a, what is it, boc bocadilla. Yeah. Um, and I always with, ask uh, tortillas so or an omelette. Yeah. 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 And the coffee, you have a special coffee that you prefer over the others or? Um, if there's like a, 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 how do you say, a popular hipster bar, then I take flat white. If uh, it's just an ordinary coffee stop, uh, then, then I take a... Uh, Double espresso if I still have to do efforts, and otherwise uh, Americano, just a normal black coffee. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A little bit more on the training. You are, yeah, you are a guy for the classics, the cobble classics, and I've heard several Belgians say that you are the best rider on the cobbles in the peloton. Actually. Yeah, that's, that's what uh, they always uh, they always say me. Uh, no one does it better than you. If you take just a K of cobbles then you are, the be you are the best on the cobbles. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. And journalists always say it. What, what are you doing? How do you train to be good on cobbles? And <laughs> um, Don't reveal all your secrets. For sure I won't. But um, 
no i i don't train on it or i don't know it's something um they always told me actually when i was still pretty young my my dad used to say someone um, even said that it looks like you're floating over the cobbles i don't know it, it's strange but if i'm riding on the road and i'm suffering i move with my shoulders left and right i move a lot on the bike and then uh, on cobbles i have it looks like i have more core stability than on the <laughs> on the road so it is strange um but yeah like like one of my brothers and, and my dad also uh, can ride really well on cobbles it's just i don't know i don't know why i don't say i'm the best eh? but um i feel comfortable on cobbles um let's say basically to the people who are, who are listening if you want to ride on cobbles a few basics is just lower the tire pressure uh get to the back of the saddle and uh don't squeeze your hands in the bars that's the the three things i always say just uh keep your your fingers loose around the bars the handlebars and um what about that the, gives a lot more what comfort. about the gear you want to be lighter and like go with high cadence or low cadence um Yeah, that's a difficult one. Um, let's say in a race, it's better to keep it hi- uh, higher cadence uh, because you can like uh, produce a lot of lactate on the on the cobbles. Um, I would say for for tourists, just get a bigger gear, one gear bigger. Um, but of course, you don't want to lose momentum. The thing is, on the cobbles, you you cannot or you don't want to ride slow. As you always as have to speed up because the the faster you ride on it, the easier it gets. Because you like, as soon as you lose speed, it's the thing is, yeah. The then you go from stone to stone, and you yeah. start counting them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you go fast, it's like uh, it becomes uh, it becomes less uh, less hard. Yeah. Okay, so uh, there you have it. That's how you become a cobble specialist. Yeah. Then now that's all the secrets I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. One of the other questions I have for the guests: Do you have a nemesis in the peloton or? You do have, we all have them, but uh, the guy you always have a few fights with or someone you find annoying, uh, like, you know the type, and, and I'm sure most people, yeah. they know it. They probably have it around where they work or whatever, but there's always one guy that can piss you off. Yeah, let's say um, everybody has a few, and I'm still a cyclist, so I won't <laughs> won't name them. But um, yeah, I have a good story on that. Uh, the Sebastian Langeveld. Um, he's a Dutch rider. Uh, everybody knows him. He's, he's like he's known in cycling, of course. And um, yeah, and and my let's say uh, let's five, six, seven years ago, I always had fights with him. He was the one that that was always annoying to me, or I was annoying to him in the classics. We were always fighting for for the same positions, and um, I didn't like him at all. Really, <laughs> I didn't like him. And then, but I also never talked to him before. And then suddenly I went to Cannondale, which is now EF, um, and he became my teammate, or I, be- I became his. And what, actually, your, what was your first reaction when you saw that you had to be in the team with him? Ah, uh, suddenly you, uh, you you change ideas of him, of course. And um, yeah, first first you think like, oh, oh, oh shit. no, yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but um, on the other hand, you you also realize like. Yeah, but you fight for the same position for yeah. the same things, and now if you can cooperate, it could work well. It could work well. And let's um, say I want to. When I, I did a in Denmark when I became like a senior rider. The biggest asshole in the peloton, and he knows this, and he know that he were, but now he's my he's the best man for my wedding because ah, we nice. came in the same <laughs> team, and then suddenly you start to, yeah, love him. Yeah, yeah, and now it's now it's the same with uh, with Langeveld. I mean, we became good friends, and now uh, now, okay, I'm not gonna be his best man, but he's gonna get married, and I'm gonna go to his wedding, yeah. and um, and now uh, I left the team, but we still uh, that's that's basically almost the only one that I still uh, text with and still keep uh, contact with, and every time I see him in the race, uh, we go to each other immediately. So um, that's why it's nice. I mean, you can hate somebody, but. Actually, you can find out that it's a really nice person, and maybe it's a bit the same person like you. Yeah, in the end, it's 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 the part of raising. It's just a it's game. A, it's the focus. We all fight for the same stuff, yeah, and true. we all want to give our right hand for this. Yeah, and uh, yeah, nobody can get in your in your way. You know how it is. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, we all get enemies out there. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, about that, actually. I was in, in the last episode talking with Casper Pedersen, and, and he mentioned one of the guys he had was a guy called Milan Menten. Um, and then I have a funny story about him from, from Omlop, actually. Uh, I was in the Bosberg. I was dropped together with another Danish rider, Andreas Kron. And um, we were talking a little bit about the, the podcast, actually. And he said he listened to it. And and then suddenly the bingo car comes flying past us with a guy hanging in the window. <laughs> and then he laughed, Andreas, he laughed and said, hey, there you have something for the podcast. And then I said, yeah, did you see who it was? It was Milan Minton. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we uh, now I guess I see him everywhere. Now we even uh, we are even in the same hotel now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, moving on. Friend. Maybe he will be my friend. Yeah, maybe. You never know. <laughs> um, best roommate, worst roommate. Um, best roommate. Um, I have had many roommates. Um, I don't know who's my best or I didn't have a particular one. Um, I think from my side, I'm not the difficult person. So um, I come along with, with many guys in the room. Um you're just a boring Belgian guy. Yeah, I'm that boring Belgian guy. So <laughs> <laughs> they can have their uh, their attitude. I'll I'll adapt to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, the worst. Um, I also had a few. I already had some years. So, um, but to give an example without uh, without names, um, I was once uh, racing in Hamburg, the Hamburg Classic, and the day before, um, we were in the room and it was like quarter to ten, I think. And I was reading in a book, and he said, "Like, ah, oh, yeah, can I uh, close the light? Uh, stop early, stop the light because I want to go to bed." Oh, yeah, sure. So I turned on uh, my small light next to him, uh, next to my bed, and uh, like two minutes later, yeah, can you turn off that light? Uh, okay, so I and this was a quarter to ten. Yeah, yeah. I so I could understand early. if it was like half midnight or something yeah but it was like early enough yeah yeah and um okay so i opened my laptop <laughs> but now i think like how how stupid was i why, why wasn't i a man and just say no yeah but i opened my laptop and then um i, t- <laughs> I put the blanket over me <laughs> so, so he could sleep and then he still had some light and in the end, I went into the in the toilet, and then there I sat with my book, reading <laughs> on the toilet. <laughs> and um, but okay, I was still young, and I didn't dare to say no. And, and yeah. like I said, I'm not that difficult. But that was like now I would say like fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And last, um, when you go to training camps and races, do you have any special stuff you bring? Um, like I bring my AeroPress and. Uh, good coffee bean from home for example i always bring my own pillow uh mm-hmm. sometimes i even bring a like a handheld playstation uh mm. to play in the bed um you have any stuff the boring belgian again so uh i don't bring a lot i um basically i just just bring uh, the necessary stuff and i learned through the years that you don't need too much in the past i brought a lot a lot i never had enough with one suitcase and now, yeah. now I have a lot of space, even with a smaller suitcase. But what do I bring in the in the classics? Is uh, food, and uh, I know the um, the food room is always filled with good food, a lot of food. Um, but before the classics, I, I allow myself to eat uh, like healthy cookies because you want to fill up with carbs, and um, you don't have to do it every day. Of course, you would gain weight, but before the classics, I mean, you you're gonna suffer a lot. You're gonna burn a lot of energy, so. I uh I treat my body with uh with some nice goods. Um so I go to the supermarket. Um I check out uh the how do you say the like the, ah, the nutrition info. the nutrition yeah, yeah. of it and then uh, how much uh, carbs is in it, how much fat, how much like um yeah, how, how much is uh, sugar of the carbs. Yeah, low, low also sugar, because that's also carb, important. No? Of course, yeah. the galette that you saw that that had a lot of sugar. But um, okay, yeah, yeah, not everything can be perfect. It was almost like chewing in a <laughs> like a sugar cube. But like <laughs> I said, I want to treat myself a little bit good. Uh, no, you need but, to um, do that. Yeah, so so I always bring a lot of options, uh, just like healthy cookies, but with a lot of carbs, and not much fats. Um, 
and then I eat these uh, before the races, before the classics. Yeah. And um, so what's uh, what's next for you? Um, I know you do Samir. That's today. Yeah. Um, but what is coming up then? Um, then I do Paris Nice, so that will be Sunday already. Um, nice crosswind. Yeah, the first. Yeah, normally the first days is crosswind. Then yeah. we go in the mountains, so it's basically eight days of suffering. Yeah, so that's nice. Great. Yeah, looking forward to it. And then you go back to Belgium. <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, of course, uh, Paris Nice is important, but f- I always see it as a preparation, the last preparation race towards the classics. And Paris Nice, there's not a much I can do to get results. So it's more for the sprinters and then the climbers. So uh, I help the team. If there's an opportunity, I will take it. Um, but most important is to uh, to feel good towards the classics. Yeah. And then uh, I will see you at the classics. Oh, Thank yeah. you so much for taking some time to do this. You're welcome. Uh, it was nice. We say I enjoyed it. And now I know a bit more about you. Uh, and uh, I like your stories. They were good. <laughs> nice. <was> good. So, <laughs> thank uh, you. Thank you. Det var så podcasten med Sepp van Marke. Um, man kan kigge ind på uh, min Instagram på uh, profil, for, uh, som, uh, som hedder Ryttejargon. Og der uh, har jeg lagt en konkurrence op, hvor man kan vinde uh, Sepps rygnummer med en, uh, fra, fra Umlop med en, med en autograf og uh, hans tilføjet ord til Ryttejargon-ordbogen. Um, det er et lidt lige nummer, der er også uh, lidt af, uh, skal man kalde det, fra, fra hans dyrt, så... Uh, så der er noget, noget patina og noget, noget belgisk vej over det. Så øh, det er en, en, en fed præmie, synes jeg. Men ellers så øh, tune ind igen næste uge, der kommer en, en ny episode. Øh, det vil blive øh, lagt ud på Instagram, hvem der er med. Og øh, ellers så, øh, hvis man synes om podcasten, så giv gerne en anmeldelse i iTunes. Øh, og så ses vi ude på landevejen. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.